Hey, it's Meatball. And Mark. And this is the Rocker Morning Show on demand from 107.7 RKR. This is the best of the Rocker Morning Show with Meatball and Mark. So son of the late Jim Croce, a legendary songwriter and performer himself, AJ Croce. Appreciate you hanging out with us on the Rocker Morning Show. Uh, you got started playing at a pretty young age, obviously, which I can imagine was influenced heavily by what your dad did but as a teenager though how crucial was it to your sound and style to play those nightclubs in san diego in the 80s oh man it was it was incredibly uh influential you know i was going out from the time i was 15 playing four nights a week five nights a week i'd do a couple nights of of playing in jazz clubs and old standards from 10 to 2 and then um blues and r&b and playing with a rock and roll band that did sort of a Birds covers and old um, Etta James covers and stuff like that, and then um, and then you know it was it, I was it was all over different genres and um, Floyd Dixon heard me who had been a, a blues uh, piano player and asked if I'd play with him up in L.A. and around uh, Southern California and and it was like one thing led to another um, you know Maya Axton who wrote Heartbreak Hotel heard me and she told the cowboy Jack Clement he had to hire me. I was 17 and uh, came to Nashville and uh, recorded with him and Elvis's band, which was an absolute trip, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then um, a year later I was 18 and BB King heard me play and asked if I'd go on the road. And that was it. Man. Obviously your, your taste in music, especially early on in your career was pretty eclectic, but how much, uh-huh. how much of your dad's music did play, a part in your own writing and then were you determined to kind of be your own brand aside from that of course i was ready to be my own brand because <laughs> you know um uh, you know you can only be yourself you can't be someone else you know i don't know what is expected of me but i certainly didn't think there was any integrity in me doing this stuff until i'd made a name for myself and done my own thing and um so you know 20 some years on, I was finally comfortable after having, you know, a lot of uh, chart success and whatnot and touring all over the world. I just felt like, okay, I can work, um, instead of just behind the scenes, which is what I was doing as a publisher, um, of my father's music, I was able to, um, bring it to people again, starting a few years ago. So it's, it's been a, um, a long time coming and you know it's so much um more fun than i could have ever expected i'll tell you you've been both the front man and sat in on bands playing with artists like willie nelson neville brothers uh-huh. jennings and yeah we, i'm curious which of those places do you prefer do you like being out in front of the whole show or maybe just kind of hanging back with the band more both both are fun they're, yeah. they're completely different they're completely different roles to play being a side band is one thing um you know, being a being a songwriter and composer for film and television is a completely different thing. Um, you you have an idea, you write it out, you, it's recorded, and and you don't ever look back at it. Um, whereas with a song where you're the artist, you know, if it does halfway decent, you may need to play it for five, ten years, or if it does well, then you have to play it for the rest of your life. Right. That's you the, know, which that's is the ultimate a, goal, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a gift, you know. Well, uh, we have Croce Plays Croce coming to the Miller Auditorium uh, this Saturday. I'm curious, you know, you, you mentioned kind of coming back to your dad's music. What actually drew you back to uh, Jim's music that made you want to put this show together? Well, I'll tell you, um, it was the connections we had. Um, it was his record collection, in a way. Okay. Um, uh, and some recordings he did. You know, his career was very brief, 18 months. Um, all the music, you know, of his was written, recorded, and and toured in 18 months. Mm -hmm. Before that, he would play on the weekends. And um, he would uh, record everything that he wanted to play at a little club just to hear how it sounded. And there was one tape from late 60s where um, he plays all these really obscure old songs and and I heard this when I was in my, I guess in my thirties, like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning because I heard all these songs that I had been playing since I was 12 or 13. And these were obscure Fats Waller, Bessie Smith, Pink Anderson songs, um, Mississippi, John Hurt <laughs> and, um, Sonny Terry, Brownie McGee, old, old blues and jazz and old country stuff. And, um, and I was like, this is, it gave me chills, you know? And so that was the, really the beginning of knowing we had a connection that was deeper than just the DNA. And, um, and, you know, I've been asked since I was 16 to record his music and it just didn't feel like there was any integrity in it. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, really, uh, came at it from an angle where I wanted to play his music cause I saw how the audience uh, reacted if I pulled out a song out of the blue, you know, like operator or something out yeah. of the blue, I would play it and people would, you know, freak out and cry and be really moved by this. And I said, you know, this is a beautiful thing. Um, there's a way to do it that is, um, that's very much alive and not just a nostalgia piece. And I'm not just a cover band. Um, of course, his hits are part of Croce Plays Croce. You know, you'll hear, um, you know, most of the hits in an evening, you know, but um, also his influences and the stuff that um, that I've written and has, you know, charted over the last 30 years. I was going to say, too, the last time we were talking, we we brought up the album that you were working on by request where you had a lot of people outside of your your father's music that were requesting you play certain songs. And that was something that you kind of put together and released last year as well. How was how was the initial response to that? That was great. I mean, um, it, you know, going back to that connection with my dad, that Sonny Terry and Brian McGee song that he played is is one that I recorded and Robin Ford's on that number and with my regular band. And um, I mean, it went to number one on blues charts. So it was like, yeah. uh, or Americana, I'm not sure. But it was one of those things where it's like, wow, it, it really connected. Um, and it's funny because I spent my life being a, um, trying to be the greatest piano player that I could be. And it's always these songs that I, that I record on guitar that do so well. Um, and, um, not exclusively, but it's, it's, that's how it happens. So anyway, um, no complaints about it. I'm grateful for it all. And, um, you know, the album was a really fun record to make and, um, and my band, who's who's on that, will be uh, you know on tour with me. Um, Gary Malibur, who was on all those great Van Morrison records like Moondance and Tupelo Honey, and oh, yeah. um, he's on all those. Um, Steve Miller band, he joined that group in '69, and um, Bonnie Raitt and Joe Walsh, and just all these great artists. You hear his 
I hear that snare drum and I hear caravan like at least once a night, when <laughs> yeah. it, you know, and, uh, and, um, and then, um, David Burrard from New Orleans, great singer and bass player. I uh, was with um, Dr. John for nearly 40 years. He's wonderful. And, um, with Patti LaBelle and, and with, um, just, he's, you know, sort of a New Orleans legend. And then on guitars, just wonderful, uh, wonderful players, been on a ton of stuff here in Nashville, um, named James Pennebaker. So it's, it's just a really, uh, amazing group of musicians and it's very, uh, very free in the sense that I can go any direction. I can pull out a, a Latin song or a gospel thing or a rock and roll song. Uh, it could be the faces or it could be Otis Redding um, in the mix of things because these all have a connection in some way to my father, his music and, and what he was listening to and where it came from. That's great. You mentioned, um, you know, your band a little bit there. We're curious, you know, what lineup you've got uh, coming with you on this tour right now. That's that's the group, the one I mentioned. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Who's, okay. who's with me. Yeah. It's funny yeah, because um, after the show a couple of years ago, I actually, I, Gary was hanging out with us for a couple hours and he's like, I played with Kermit the Frog, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. That's just, oh, that's just, you know, it's, it's funny. I'll, I'll mention the different people he plays when I introduce him. Um, and the thing people freak out most about is that he's on all those, in all those Muppet movies. He is, <laughs> yeah. he is, he is the personification of animal. Yes. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It was so cool. Cause when I met him, I was like, dude, I, I kind of, I, I was like, I kind of freaked out because when you introduced him at the show, one of my earliest live rock album introductions was the King Biscuit flower hour double album from Steve Miller band. And so yeah. when you brought his name up, I was like, Oh my God, I had no idea that he was touring with him. So I mean, mm -hmm. just a phenomenal show as someone who's seen it. Um, if, if somebody's thinking about going, this is a must-see. It's a whole lot of fun, not only just because you perform your father's songs, but the songs that you connected with him on through, like you yeah. said, the record collection that you inherited from him. Yeah, it's and that's the thing, you know, it's, and also the stories of where the stuff came from. And, exactly. And, um, you know, it's it's about entertaining the audience. That's that's what I'm there for is is to have fun. And for if I have fun, then everyone else has fun. Sure. And so it needs to be it needs to be something that changes a little bit each night so that, um, so that no one is bored, but also, um, and, and I mean bored on stage, but also, um, throwing in things that really catch them off guard, which is like one of my favorite things to do. Cause you, <laughs> you know, you know, they're going to catch it and they're such great players. They're going to know what to do. And it's, to me, having that um, interplay and improvisation is really key. I got one last question for you before we let you go. Um, I'm curious, you know, while you were preparing for this show, you know, obviously this was a journey in you reconnecting with your dad and his music and the stuff uh -huh. he listened to. Did you learn anything new, you know, about your dad's music while you were going through this? Like maybe find any deeper meanings in what he had written or just discover something that you'd never heard or realized before? That's a good question. You know, um, the, the first thing that's most obvious is how complicated the guitar stuff is. All right. Um, 
you know, the books, um, you know, obviously the, the sort of, there are two kinds of songs that he wrote in, you know, just oversimplify it. One was like the character songs like Rapid Roy or Roller Derby Queen or Leroy Brown or Don't Mess Around with Jim, basically, you know, taken from, you know, influences of you know, Chuck Berry and old R&B and Lieber and Stoller, you know, you can hear that in his character songs. Lieber and Stoller was a big influence on him. Um, you can hear the Jimmy Reed influence and, and you don't mess around with Jim. But, um, but the other stuff is from a different place. It's, um, you know, these Elizabethan sort of folk songs. Um, and, and they're quite complicated. And I, that's one of the things that, that took a minute to learn because none of the books were right. So I had to just listen the way I learned how to play Fats Waller and Ray Charles and, and Mose Allison and all that stuff on the piano. I had to listen to it um, and learn to play it the right way. Yeah, I remember one song in particular that you you did make mention of that mm. it it's it's wonderful to hear on an album but seeing it live you really get an appreciation really like you said for how complicated the writing was, which was I believe it was photographs and memories. Oh, these dreams. I oh, think that was dreams. the one I played. Yes. Yeah, these dreams, which is which is very similar time to time in a bottle, except it's in four four instead of three four. Right. Time. Um, very similar chords, um, but the the stretches on it, and and you know if 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 I'm not playing um, in perfect sync with with the other guitar player, uh, James Pennebaker in this case, I, you know it's a train wreck. I love that. I love sitting on the edge of the track <laughs> because um, that's where the great stuff happens. If you don't push yourself to do something um, new all the time, then, you know, you end up doing the same thing. I agree. Right. right. I agree. Well, you you guys are going to be able to get to see this firsthand. Croce plays Croce this Saturday. Miller Auditorium. You can get tickets now. You're going to hear those big hits from Jim, Bad Bad Leroy Brown, Time in a Bottle, don't mess around with Jim and AJ uh, always does a phenomenal job with that and all the other great music he's going to be playing. And we appreciate you having a uh, being on the show today, ma'am. Hey, my pleasure. Hope to see you there. Live weekday mornings from six to 10 and on demand in the rocker app. It's the best of the rocker morning show on 1077 RKR.